Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Jenna Morton. And I'm Tosh Taylor. And today we're coming to you from a bunker. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very often you get to say that. No, days. it's really, that, which is exactly why I wanted to say it. Uh -huh. uh, so behind us we have a victory flag and we're in Albert County at the Albert County Museum and we are going to talk about World War I and what influences Albert County had on World War I today with the past president of the Albert County Historical Society, Stuart Lipday. Stuart, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I just have to say, this exhibit is amazing. Mm -hmm. It is so well done. It's so visual and filled with information that we are going to try to share just a little bit of with everyone today. Can you tell us a little bit about Albert County and World War I? Absolutely. Where to start? Is, yeah. I guess right at the beginning, you know, um, 1914, the war began. Um, Albert County enlisted en masse. Um, 1915, the first ship went over with the 26th Battalion. Um, we were actually there before with some men who, who were in the first wave of the, of the, the battles at Ypres. Um, during the second battle of Ypres, um, during the first gas attack, the Canadians, Albert County men were there. Um, the, uh, the guy who won the Victoria Cross was there uh, and, and Lieutenant uh, Moore, uh, Major Moore was there. He was, uh, they were all from Hopewell Cape and uh, he was actually killed in, in that battle. Um, men from Albert County died in each major battle the Canadians were in in the war. So in the exhibit, we talk about each, each of the battles and, and the importance in the battle. It, where the exhibit is, we're actually in, this is a scale model of a trench. So if you see the height, this is how high it is, and it's about eight feet high. What we're missing in, in, in our trench here is the firing step. So here there would be about an 18-inch step, which you would step up to to fire over over the top of the trench here, and so that's part of the of, of model of the of the exhibit. Um, so talking about the the men in Albert County during the war, talk a little bit about the scale. You know, you say there there were people from this county in every major mm -hmm. battle, but it was it was a large number of people from this community that were just suddenly gone. Absolutely, we have we we estimate there's there's over a thousand people enlisted, and so you know on scale across the country, um, we had one of the highest, if not the highest, enlistment across Canada. And in fact, the government recognized Albert County um, in, in 1920 um, after the war by giving us the, the 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 one of the guns that sit out front in front of the museum. It, it the the 18 the 88 millimeter gun was the mainstay of the uh, of the um, the German army field army and the one gun they gave us was is a field gun and th it was given in recognition of the number of men who enlisted from Albert County in Albert County we had 55 men who were killed in the war so we were below average numbers for a number of men killed if you look at the honor rolls going from each of the churches because it became a tradition after the war to to create these honor rolls and, and there are plaques of the names of the people who, who went to who enlisted during the war and also died in the war if you see if you see a star beside the name on in, any of the uh, any of the the church plaques um, that means they were killed in the war and uh, quite often they if someone won a medal or something it would be a, a, a cross or something beside it too um, so we, we have actually have two two of the uh, church uh, honor rolls in the exhibit here and you can see one's from the United Church in Hopewell Cape here and the other one's from United Church, the Baptist Church in Hopewell Cape. So we're very fortunate to get those. And if you look at the list of those names, each of the churches, you know, even a small parish for the, like for the United Church in Hopewell Cape, there's, there's 30 names to it. And some of the larger churches had like 60, 70, 80 names. So you imagine each community having a church 
and having that number of people enlist, it just it's, it's boggles the mind, the, the men who, who left here. And then, you know, 55 of them never came back. So, An incredible number of men, yeah. So, you know, the government did recognize Albert County's contribution with the gift of this gun. And that's the first gun that sits out front. It's a small one, and it sits to the left of the flag, left of the Bennett Monument there. The larger gun sitting to the right is actually very important to Canadian history, but also to Albert County history. So let's talk about that for a second and just, just go on to the, the Canadian history part of it. Um, the Canadian history, this gun was captured at the Battle of Vimy Ridge. And if you don't know Canadian history, Vimy Ridge was the very first battle that the Canadian Corps fought together as one unit. And so basically, according to military lore, or it's, it's, it's really where Canada became a nation um, because everyone fought together under the same, the same banner as Canada. And so Vimy Ridge was basically, when the Canadians were given the... Uh, the opportunity to capture Vimy Ridge, people thought it was just, it, it was going to be a bloodbath, and it was. 30, almost 3,500 men were killed, uh, 7,000 were injured. So, you know, we had 10,000 injured during that battle, and this is over a four day battle. So, you imagine, and most of those people were killed in the first day. Um, but it, it, was, it was a bloodbath, but it was a battle that we weren't supposed to win, but we won it anyways. And that was just through pure genius of the planning. And it, by, it, it was actually planned by British, but the, the, the Lieutenant General Curry, who was Canadian commander, he, he had a, a great deal of input into it. It wasn't until the second battle after that that the Canadians planned everything, and we, it was a battle, uh, Battle Hill 51, but that's not part of our story. So back to Vimy Ridge. So the Canadians, if you look at the, the 26th Battalion, which was the New Brunswick Battalion, they were in the first wave of the battle. Where our gun was captured was in the third wave of the battle. So the battle started at 5.30 in the morning, and then by the second, wa the second wave, and then the third wave, which started at 11.30 in the morning. So our, our gun was actually captured by the 27th Battalion, which was the Winnipeg Battalion. So most of the guys in that battalion were from Winnipeg. And uh, so it was, it was captured by the 27th Battalion, and that's kind of where the, a bit of a controversy, and everybody loves a bit of controversy. Um, when, when our gun was, was, well, maybe I can get ahead of myself, but a, uh, when our gun was captured, um, it was, and then afterwards, after the war was over, the, uh, the government had these war trophies brought back to so these guns that were captured because it was quite a significant accomplishment to capture a gun, especially when it was captured intact. So when our gun was captured by the 27th Battalion, they captured it intact, and then it, because the gun was at the top of the hill, and our guns, after they captured the hill, were so far below, and you can imagine the ground between it, which is mud. It was a quagmire of mud. And so when, when, they, when the Canadians couldn't bring our guns to the top of the hill, they used the gun that we captured, and they fired rounds off. So our gun, which is the, the 110 millimeter up front, was used by the Germans first, and then used by the Canadians wow. afterwards. So this was, this was after the battle, and then, so, that's the gun. It was captured at Vimy Ridge. So Canada's most important First World War battle. Uh, it was a victory, and it was one of the few, it was actually the first Allied victory pretty much of the war. And so, you know, it, it was a huge accomplishment for the Canadians. It, but it's important to note that the Battle of Vimy Ridge wasn't, it was part of a l larger battle, and so, which was a stalemate basically. But our section, we won, and that's our Canadian accomplishment. Now let's get to how our gun arrived in Albert County. Mm -hmm. And so our gun was a, uh, 
1919, the, the government had another victory loans campaign. And so because there were almost 110,000 men overseas at that time, they had, it was an enormous amount of money to bring these men back and also to repatriate them, to get them settled, to get them to pay their back pay and whatnot. And so they, uh, they basically they needed to raise money to do that. And so they had the 1919 Victory Loans Competition, which is after the war. And so they, uh, they, across the country, they said each province is going to get a war trophy. And the area that raises the most money for this campaign is going to get that trophy. So in New Brunswick, they had, the, they had a war trophy and they, they somehow, they picked this gun here because in the war trophy allocation records, it said that this gun was captured by the 26th Battalion, which was the New Brunswick Battalion. And so obviously when they were going to award the trophy, they said, that's the gun we want for New Brunswick because it was captured by New Brunswick Battalion. Mm -hmm. so, and so uh, this is back in 1919. By 1920 sometime, the records have been changed. And so now it said, now they change it to the actual people who captured the gun because it matched the serial number. Exactly, serial number 890, which was that gun. So how did Albert County win the 1919 Victory Loans Competition, um, the, the government had set a goal for Albert County to raise $110,000. So if you imagine, we had a population of uh, 8,500 people back then, and uh, so that's, that's pre-war. So there would have been about 7,500 people in Albert County at the time. Um, so they raised, Albert County eventually raised $347,600 for the Victory Loans Competition. If you want to talk real money, real dollars, take into account inflation, that's about 4.6 million for a population of 7,500 people. So it is, you know, it's phenomenal. And, you know, it, this was a, uh, and we actually raised uh, three times our goal. So our goal was 110,000, we raised 347,000, three times the goal. That was the highest across the province. Um, obviously, St. John had a goal of one million, which they raised. But, uh, you know, because our goal raised higher than our set, we won the campaign, and so we won the gun. So uh, obviously the gun came to Albert County, arrived here on, I think, a May the 27th, 1920, and uh, it came by rail, and it, it, was, it was brought here, and it's basically sat in its spot since, in, in, since that spot, since 1920, so it's been over 100 years. And, you know, it, it's a huge accomplishment, um, A, for the, because it really symbolizes everything that's, that's good about, uh, about uh, Canada, about our, 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 our area, you know, with patriotism, and also the giving, you know, this is the, the, the people reached into the pockets and raised that money. So it's just phenomenal because it's not, only a war, it's not only a war memorial, but it's also a memorial to the people of Albert County and their, and their, their efforts for the war effort. I think that's what I noticed most about this museum in general, is as you come through, you see the names, you see the faces of the people. And, you know, all around us, we're surrounded. There's, there's fantastic, you know, uh, excerpts from people's diaries. There are photos. There's so much for people to be able to place themselves within it, even though it happened 100 plus years ago. I think this, this museum has done such a fabulous job of, of making that connection for people. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it, just sitting where we're standing right now inside the exhibit, we can see right behind us, we have this flag here. This is the actual flag. When you're, when, during the 1919 Victory Loans campaign, when, you're, when you reached your goal, ours was $110,000, you received the flag. Okay. And so this flag actually flew over the courthouse in 1919 when that happened. 
So you can imagine this flag, this, which is huge, you know, it, this flag is, is about, about uh, 14 feet long by, what, six feet high. And so it's a huge flag and it flew over the courthouse, uh, I don't know how long, but it's just, it, it, it's, a, it's a phenomenal memory of it. And if you look directly behind you, I don't know if it's in, in the shot or not, there's a picture of, of one of the guys. And this is a gentleman who was a, this is a photo of the cannon taken about 1930. And he was a uh, instrumental in, uh, in, in, in forming the library and forming the boys club in the area and, and numerous other uh, activities and uh, you know it, just talking the poem that was written by him uh, about a, about the area and so that's just another connection and so like you know his name's not listed there but it's it's uh, it's listed on the back of, of the picture and it's really interesting and you can see how the uh, the camouflage of the gun when it arrived here it was taken right off the battlefield and arrived here um, in Albert County, 1920, in, in its original paint, obviously the color is different now because we couldn't we couldn't match the uh, we we didn't know what exact colors are of the of the camouflage because it was done in it was painted in the field and so we we just we had it painted when we refurbished it three four years ago now um, we refurbished it in, in uh, German Field Army Green the Imperial Field Army Green so. That's the way it would have left the factory. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So what are some other things that people will see when they come and see this exhibit? I mean, uh, but what are some things that they'll see here? We have some World War II stuff as well. Yep. Uh, we have a, a uniform that was used by one of the recruiting officers in Hillsborough. And this guy lived in, in Salem. And he, when he, in the wintertime, he skied to Hillsborough, to the recruiting office, in this uniform. Now, this is probably the most complete uniform anywhere. We have the toothpaste, we have his deodorant, we have his toothbrushes, his sewing kit, we have absolutely everything is in pristine condition and like the complete kit, his winter gear, his summer gear, everything. He, like he didn't go overseas because he was he was a first world war veteran and he um, and he uh, he was recruiting officer for Hillsborough and so for the surrounding area. And uh, it's just, uh, it's phenomenal, the condition it's in, and every aspect of it. It'd be interesting to see if anywhere has a better kit from one individual. That's know, unbelievable. So, so what, else is, what else is in the, in, the, in the collection that you could see? Well, we have, a, uh, we have a, a, a brown vest gun, you know, musket used in the Revolutionary War. Um, there, was, there was a battles fought around here from the Revolutionary War. Um, what else? Well, if, if we just walk through the exhibit, we have, we have, we have medals and stuff from some of the... Uh, some of the, the men who, who came back, and also some of the men who were killed. Um, uh, Private Olton, who was, who was uh, in Coverdale, he was born in Coverdale. Um, he, was, he enlisted when he was 14 years old. What was the age you were allowed to enlist? It was eight, 18. Yeah, okay, 18. just checking, so he, so he, just checking. Don't, we don't know how, how it happened, because yeah. if you look at his picture, he doesn't he's, he's look a baby face. You know, <laughs> yeah. he, he, does, he, he looks even young for 14. And so he was, he enlisted when he was 14, and he, uh, he went over with the, uh, in, in 1916, so he survived a year, almost a year and a half, two years in, in the trenches, and he was killed at the Battle of Passchendaele, uh, October 30th or so, 1917. And uh, he was only 15 years old, 300 and some days when he was killed. And uh, funny story, when we, when we created this exhibit, in doing so from, 1950, from 2015, I'm sorry, 2015 to, uh, to, uh, to the end of the war, we, we posted on our website um, the details of each of the men who died, because there was 55 of them. 
And so we posted the details of each of the men who died. And when we were researching that story, um, we're like, wow, this guy was only 14. And so like, in one website we found, he was listed as only being 13, so he would have been the youngest killed. But after we found the census from 1911, and he was in that census listed, and his actual date, his birth date was, uh, was recorded there. And he, he was the youngest boy from New Brunswick who was killed, which is a, you know, it's crazy that the guy lived that. And, uh, and we were trying to figure out why would he enlist at that age? Well, you know, his, his, in researching it, it turns out his dad had died the year before, so he was, his mother had a remarried, so maybe he was a bit of rebelling mm -hmm. and went overseas, who knows the final story. But he had three sisters, and uh, it's an interesting story how he obtained his medal. Um, this gentleman who from Nova Scotia, who was, who was a veteran, um, he was tearing down a house in Bathurst. And in the wall of the house, his, this medal, his, his 1914 to 1918 medal was in the walls. How it got there, nobody knows. And so th this gentleman said he was searching for about 10 years to find a relative of, of, of Private Olton to give it to him because it's, you know, it's in a, the First World War and he was a veteran himself. So he had respect for, for the guys, uh, for what he did. And so he, he saw the story that we did on, on it, was, it was actually posted on, 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 uh, on, on, on in newspaper and on TV. And uh, he, he saw that on TV and he, he sent us the medal. So we now have his medal in our collection, which is just a phenomenal piece of uh, history and, to, and to, to, to remember him by. Yeah, that's an incredible story because it, it would be interesting to see what happened to his sisters and mm. or his moms. Obviously, they moved to Bathurst. How else could that? Someone, you know, someone in the family. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I never find things hidden in walls. Yeah. I always want to. Because <laughs> <laughs> you live in a new yeah. house. Not always. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, if you could give us, before we wrap up the episode today, what's your favorite piece in this exhibit? My favorite piece in the mm -hmm. exhibit? Well, I, <laughs> it's the exhibit itself okay. because, you know, I, I was the uh, instigator behind it and it was myself and, and, and Kerr Press and Don McLean who did the majority of the research and the majority of the work on it. And uh, our, our, the, the manager of the time, uh, Dan Ross, he, was, he, he, he and myself, uh, we, we built this. So we, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a labor of love myself and uh, we, we built the entire exhibit from scratch, uh, planning it, all everything. So, you know, for, for myself, it's the exhibit itself. Uh, if I had to pick one item, I don't know, it's, it's just... It's okay to be this exhibit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because it is incredible. It, yeah. it is, it, it really brings it to life for people that have a hard time imagining mm -hmm. what it might have been like in the trenches. And, you know, thankfully we don't have mud on oh, the floor. Yeah. Or the rats. <laughs> No, the rats, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the size of it and the just the wealth of information that is here is absolutely incredible. And I hope that people come again and again so that they can actually understand the the depth of the story here. Exactly. And, you know, it, it, the, the higher exhibit is bilingual, too. So, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a Francophone and you want to learn about our history, then it, it's, it's all here, too. It's a bilingual exhibit. Um, we, ha we have digital components to the exhibit. Um, we, you know, pictures that, we, we, there's no room to some of the pictures that we, we have because of pictures from Vimy Bridge, pictures from, uh, from uh, I never even got to talk about a Cyrus Peck here, you know, to have a Victoria Cross winner that was born in Albert County. He was born here in uh, 18, or 1871 and he won the Victoria Cross September the 18th, 1917. And, you know, that's pretty spectacular in itself because very few people know 
uh, Victoria Crossman was born in Albert County. You know, and so that's one of the more interest, uh, interesting stories. And half the exhibit is de dedicated to Cyrus Peck mm -hmm. because he was such an interesting character. You know, his war cry when he went over the trenches, she's a bear boy, she's a bear. You know, just, uh, just the character alone. He, you know, he, he went out west when he was 18 years old. And uh, um, it's, I, do you want to talk about this now or do you want to talk about this? Continue yeah, no, on continue. Tell we, us we've a got, little bit about him. We've got a few, a few minutes left, so yeah. Okay, yeah. so uh, Cyrus Peck, he was born in Hopal Hill. And his, that's on, on basically on the family homestead. The, the, the Pecks have been in this area since 1765. And so I, and there's not many Pecks left in the names, but if you, want, if you go through, there's a Peck Cemetery in, 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 uh, in Riverside, Albert there, and uh, the family farms in Hopal Hill. And if you go through the exhibit here, you can see the church, the school that he, that he attended when he was here. And he basically, he was a, the, the Pecks were shipbuilding, and by 1870s, um, by 1880s, 1890s, that had basically petered out because the, uh, the age of the sail ships were pretty much at, their, at the end uh, with the advent of the steamships for the coal. Uh, and so uh, basically everything was going to steel, and uh, this was a wood, wood building, wood, uh, wood ship creating uh, area. And uh, the unfortunate thing was every industry in Albert County fed the shipbuilding industry. So once the shipbuilding industry died, basically uh, we, we went into a huge uh, depression, recession, um, that's basically still going on now. <laughs> Cyrus Peck, he was 18 years old, so he was born in 1871. Uh, 18 years later, uh, by the uh, 1890s, he, he moved out west with his family, and he stayed out there. And out there, he uh, became an MP. He, uh, he started off the Cassier Salmon Fisher. The, can the first salmon canning factory out west was created by Cy Peck and his cousin, which I mentioned earlier, uh, Moore. Major Moore, who was killed in the first battle of Ypres. And so, you know, that's just the, that's the Albert County connection going across the country. And do you know the longest, and this is not to do with this story, but the longest serving premier in British Columbia, Lackey Bennett, was born in Albert County too? Love it. Oh, the people, and you have to come and check out this museum for yourself because we're only the tip of the iceberg here, and there, like like Stuart said, there's a lot to read and learn about when it comes to Cyrus Peck and a whole bunch of other families in this area. So if you like today's episode, come to the Albert County Museum and check it out for yourself.